0: This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of Witching Hour is brought to you by Get Packed, an organisation that promotes open conversations about cervical screenings and urges individuals to take responsibility for scheduling their appointment. Hello and welcome to Witching Hour, the podcast that looks at what's exciting, delighting, intriguing and frustrating us when it comes to making work work.
1: I'm Lucinda, or Lou as Loz calls me. And I'm Loz, bringing you a good news story today. IKEA Australia has upped the ante with new employment policies that in my opinion are A+, particularly for the retail sector. So Lou, it's no surprise to you that most retail employees are usually casual but what ikea is doing which i think is really cool is they're saying there are no more casual positions at ikea australia instead it's part-time or full-time not full-time fixed time which allows employees more flexibility more predictability and far more security so they've removed all of those casual roles and they've now introduced fixed rostering options a four-day work week full and part-time employment only five weeks of annual leave, paid parental leave regardless of tenure and superannuation paid on top of your unpaid parental leave.
0: I love that. So you could technically be employed two days a week, but you're still yes. on a fixed or a permanent contract that gives you we all, the still benefits get all the benefits that come with that. Absolutely yeah. love that. That should be... Yeah. That should actually be across the board because I feel like casuals get paid a little bit more, but then you have to deal with your super. You have you don't get any leave, whatever. It doesn't work out for many people because you just think that you've got a little bit of extra pocket money in your bank.
1: Yeah, That's but it's so better two doing bucks. this.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably ain't worth so, that. So yeah, this is great. kudos to them. Mm. Yeah, this should actually be across the board. I love that. I also wanted to say before we get into what's on the agenda today is that if anyone has anything that they want us to discuss on this podcast or any poll that they want us to bring up on Instagram, please DM us at readyornot.pod. If you're more on the podcast page, but you're not really getting around our Instagram, DM us anything that you want us to talk about on the show or that you want us to put to our listeners and our followers. Today, Dry Bar co-founder built a $255 million hair business while her personal life imploded. She has a warning for success-hungry entrepreneurs. Also, we look at this article that's gone viral, to our generation being a mum looks thankless, exhausting, and lonely. Can we change the story? And lastly, how our listeners
1: are reducing the mental load this Christmas. Take it away, Loz. First up, Drybar co-founder built a $255 million hair business while her personal life imploded. She has a warning for success hungry entrepreneurs. Ali Webb founded Dry Bar in 2010. So a little while ago. And at the time, she had two children aged three and five. She sold it nine years later in 2019 for 255 million bucks. Imagine selling a business for that amount of money. I would love pretty impressive. With two (laughs) young children when you start it too, like it's it would have been a hard slog. During this time of her huge success for Drybar, her marriage with her husband came to an end and her husband also, I believe, co-founded Drybar, so that would have been pretty messy. Yeah. I mean, imagine having to... Working with Hayden on top of living with Hayden would actually be too much. Yeah, it'd be tough. Um, Her mother also passed away and what Ali says she did is instead of slowing down and taking a moment, she sped up. So things got more chaotic, busier. She added more to her plate. It wasn't until seven years in when her eldest son began having his own mental health issues that she started to think, shit. I mean, she didn't say it like that, but I'm pretty sure that's what she was thinking. I reckon it was exactly what she was thinking. Yeah. And sometimes it's things like that that make you think far out. Like when it's not necessarily happening to you, if it's happening to somebody else, you're like, whoa, this is bad. That is so telling and so true and especially of a mother. We wouldn't really think about the way
0: our own life was imploding. If we saw that it affected our child, we'd be like, shit, what am I doing? All exactly. of a sudden the decisions feel so much more loaded.
1: Yeah. So she puts burnout down to a few things in this article. But one thing which stuck out to me was her ability to not be able to delegate. And it's something that I wanted to chat with you about, Lou, because I wanted to discuss this whole notion of delegating and get some research behind it. One thing I found which was interesting according to recent research from Columbia Business School was that more women than men are likely to view delegating as aggressive and assertive which leads to them feeling guilty about delegating. The problem is that when women refuse to delegate or dole out tasks to others they lose out on the chance to concentrate on the bigger picture. Yeah. So you become so focused on all these little things that need to get done that you're not kind of looking at the overarching view of what's going on around you. It would be like working in the business instead of on the business. Exactly. And I think that's exactly what happened to Ali. But I'm curious to see what you think when it comes to delegation, particularly now that you're pregnant with your second baby and about to give birth. And maybe things that you're going to do differently this time or, you know, just that struggle of taking things off your plate. Oh, it's so tricky. The first thing that's coming to mind is that you've
0: obviously come in to this podcast that I've been doing and the guilt of like giving you tasks or not giving you tasks that makes it sound like I'm the boss, (laughs) but the guilt of like us sharing things that I did in the past and you being like, I can do this, I can take this off your plate and me being like, oh, how could I possibly make you do anything? Whereas if it was the other way around, I'd be like, fucking like, let me get stuck into it. So I think that I potentially not too bad at delegating in my personal life, but struggle definitely with it professionally. The interesting thing that's popped into my head while we've been talking about this and while you've been reading out this research is that sense that obviously in business, If she's the boss, she's the delegator. You're the boss. You have all the tasks to delegate. It's interesting how a mum, and I've never thought about this, is also most likely to be the delegator at home. Like, yeah, as we know, comes back to the mental load. So the pressure of having to, like starting this baby, your business baby, and having to learn how to delegate things to people when you want control, but then also dealing with that pressure at home must be huge. What am I going to do different this time? Biggest thing for me this time is that we obviously have two kids, not one. So Hayden can't just take my baby off me and all of a sudden I have freedom. There's two of them. Sophie Pierce actually gave the best advice on on the Beyond the Bump episode with Ready or Not. Which was that they would often divide and conquer when they'd have two kids, when they had two kids, and then when they grew that to three kids. And no one was really getting a break, and they'd only see their own versions of hard. So for Soph, that was being with Pearl, this baby that slept heaps less than her other two babies had and was unsettled. And for Nick, that was looking after two toddlers, which we know is absolute chaos. Hectic. And instead, what they started to do was you take all three, or I'll take all three. And I know I'm sort of going off the idea of delegating here, but I think what I'm going to do differently.
1: I think it's what you're doing differently is instead of like taking a piece of a pie and delegating like a piece of it, you want to delegate the whole pie because you need that time to yourself to reinvent yourself. really well it. because I was
0: thinking like Hayden will be on Ray Judy and I'll be on Baby Judy and obviously that will swap. But now I'm thinking more you actually need time off totally to yourself. So don't look at it as us just totally dividing and conquering the kids let's both give ourselves a bit of a break because if Hayden's on toddler duty all the time with Ray, that's actually exhausting in totally different ways. Like if this newborn is similar to Ray for me, I find babies much easier than toddlers. Yeah. Undoubtedly. (laughs) So I get the good end while I have to do the whole, you know, giving birth and bleeding and recovering from birth thing. Yeah. (laughs) Not, Not necessarily fun, but pretty amazing. While I have to do all that, I still think that if this baby doesn't present anything wildly challenging, I get the easier end of the stick than Hayden does. So I think it's really important that when we are working together as a team that we give each other proper breaks rather than just dividing and conquering two kids. What advice would you give me on that of delegating as someone who has two kids?
1: I think women, and I found it really fascinating that women view delegation as like aggressive or assertive yeah. because I think if you're delegating you think that about yourself but when you're delegating to somebody else they don't think that about you yeah and we know how good it is for people
0: to help others like it's literally good for your mental health to help other people so when someone you, do you love like has another kid you're like delegate something to me because I want to help you
1: I want to do this for you Exactly, and I I think the second time around, I feel like when you have your first child, there's a lot of excitement from everybody, right? Including yourself. You know, you don't know what to expect, you're so excited, everyone brings you gifts and you know, flowers and all this amazing stuff that is so beautiful and you're so thankful. But the second time around, and I don't want to like take the, what's it called, light away from it or like, you know, dampen the experience because it's just as incredible, if not more amazing. But the second time around, you've kind of got all that stuff. And I think as a visitor, if you're visiting someone, it's like, oh, do they need another onesie or like do they need another bunch of flowers? I feel like my advice would be if you're having a second child in particular or a third or a fourth or I don't know how maybe you're trying for a fifth. If you're having a fifth, my hat well, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Even but a if, fourth. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: But if you are, I would say be honest about what you need in terms of delegating. So like for me.
0: I love you for saying this.
1: Yeah, when I, I remember when I first had Zave, I, there was like, Sienna had daycare maybe on like the Friday and I got home on the Wednesday or something. And honestly, I was like, I just can't pick her up. Like, yeah, I'm so tired. I look hideous. I feel shit about myself. Like, I don't want to be going out. I just want to stay at home. So like I called Ryan and I'm like, I'm really sorry, but I need you to pick up Sienna. I can't do it today. And he was like, yeah, no stress, no worries. And when people came over, I was like, could you come over at these times or would you mind collecting me a coffee on the way? And genuinely, I didn't feel bad about it. And I was like, don't bring me flowers. I don't need the flowers. I don't need the onesies. What would be great would be a piece of cake. I'm so glad you've said this
0: because I really want to say to people do not get me a gift. Bring me a meal. I yeah. don't need gifts. We don't need anything. We've got leftover onesies from Ray. We've got, I'm lucky that you have a docker top that I can loan. I'm lucky that I have a cot that I can loan all these different things I've got the pram because I had it for Ray I just want food I don't this baby doesn't need anything else and I want to say it but you've just made me realize I don't want to delegate I feel like I'm being assertive and aggressive for asking what will actually help me when the people that you're close to want to give you meaningful help not stupid help most of them some are like oh but I want to get a present
1: (laughs) yeah which is fine but also I think like if your friends are also mums like I have so much shit going on in my head. Like as much as I love you and I want to buy you all the cute shit, honestly, I would prefer for you to say to me, Loz, do you know what I'd really like today? Could you pick me up a sandwich from down the street on your way? I would say, Lucy, no problem. That is so easy for me. It is easier than me going to a shopping centre and picking you your gift. Why does it feel so colossal though? Why do we feel so guilty? Because I'm not good at asking for what I need. It's difficult to find research around this actually because it's more around the way that you feel which is hard to quantify. But some research has found that women tend to be more communal. For example, kind, hilarious, kind, sympathetic, sensitive, nurturing, helpful, relationship focus. And I would say this is very much to do with, you know, that old patriarchal women in the kitchen, men at the workplace. But it's still here today. And men are more agentic. So they're assertive, task-driven, independent, and self-confident in their behaviours and styles. And that, although it's changing, is still something that's very much been passed down from generation to generation it's kind of like ingrained which is why it can feel really difficult to delegate Mm. because you're not wanting somebody else you're wanting to be the nurturer for yourself but there's times that you just can't do it like it's impossible when you've got two children a healing body and mentally you're exhausted I just will never understand the human condition where we want to help other people so
0: much, but we find it so hard to accept help. I do wonder if it does tie back to sort of what you're talking about, that society has become very individualist where within our homes in a heterosexual relationship, dads normally go out and do the work, mums normally stay home with the babies, we can get trapped indoors because we know what it's like to have little kids and sometimes it's just too hard to get out. And so you do sort of live within your four walls very often. And I wonder if it's that ancient sense of village that we've lost that makes us feel like we do sort of have to fend for ourselves. But Loz, I reckon you'd be pretty good at communicating what you need in a workplace setting. What are your
1: best tips for delegating in a professional sense? Someone told me this. I reckon this might have been at like my very first role and it was actually by a male leader which I found really fascinating and probably why it stuck with me more and I'll explain why in a minute. I find it somewhat easy to delegate if it's a task that I think may be appealing to somebody else in a workplace like for example if I'm working on a team project and I'm the lead of that project and there's someone in that team that would like I think maybe interested or it could be important for them From a development perspective or adding to their CV, I would never feel bad about delegating. I'd be like, hey, Jack, or hey, Simone, do you want to do this? It could be really interesting. And I feel like I almost sell it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it is exciting if someone more senior than you or your colleague
0: gives you a task that is actually good for your development. Like I've had my manager come to me and be like, do you want to lay this? And I'm like, uh, yeah, of course I do. Exactly. So why would you feel bad? Because I'm like, fuck
1: yeah, I feel like grateful that you've given me this opportunity. For sure. But if it's a task where I'm like, oh, that is so shitty, like I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Which is kind of why I want to delegate it. <laughs> I can find it really difficult because it's like you can't add mayo to something that's shit to do. Yeah. Like you oh, can't be like, so many shit. Oh, would shit jobs you mind? would you mind just, you know, editing this for five hours because it'll be really fun. You're like, nah, it'll be shit. Like, I'm sorry, you just got to do it. Yeah. Um, One thing that I found really helpful is often when you delegate or when you're delegated to, people are doing it because they don't, either they don't want to do it, they don't have the time to do it. They lack the knowledge around how to do it. There's so many different reasons. So I would say if you're, being delegated to. So if you're receiving some form of workload or if you are the delegator yourself, either make sure you understand fully what you're delegating or if you're the person receiving the task, say yes with boundaries around it. So like, yes, if you can provide me with this, I am absolutely happy to do it. So that way, if you're receiving a shitty task that you know someone doesn't really want to do and they're just handballing it to you, What you don't want to do is say, no, like, I don't want to do that. It's too late. They've given it to you. But if you can put that if in place, like, yeah, sure, happy to help you. If you can provide me with um, a spreadsheet and this, I can get started straight away. Or it's like,
0: I can do it by this date because this is my workload at the moment and I have other stuff to do. Yeah.
1: I also think this has worked for me on so many levels professionally because, Not that I'm like the CEO or whatever, but as you're working your way up the ranks, so many occasions I've been delegated stuff that I'm like, this isn't even going to go anywhere.
0: Or you delegating this to me is going to cost us more time. More, It's such a waste of everybody's time. Exactly. Like some things they put so much effort into delegating to you because they don't want to do it. It's like, you could have done 75% of this task instead of briefing me on something that has nothing to do with my JD.
1: Yeah. Or or to be honest, like, does it even need to be done? Is it just an idea that's come to, you know, the limelight that isn't really relevant? Yeah. I would turn around and say, yeah, happy to help you. If you can provide me with A, B, will get started straight away. And 99% of the time that person never comes back with the things that I need and it never gets done, which means it was never important anyway. And what about if you're delegating? What's your tips around not feeling guilty and doing it respectfully? Okay, if it's something that's exciting, you don't have to feel guilty because that person's probably going to love it. If it's something beige that you can't add mayo to and you're like far out, I think just be specific around why you're delegating. So acknowledge that it's maybe not the most exciting task. Like, hey, Lucy, I would really appreciate it if you could do X by X date. If you need any help or if you need more information, please let me know. Happy to help you. The reason why I'm delegating to you is I've got this Dubai by then and I'm just not going to be able to fit it in really appreciate you thanks so much like I think that's great showing appreciation rather than just being like you're
0: the dunce. I'm the boss this is what you're doing yeah being honest we've had at CA, we were such a scrappy team in a lot of ways. Like everyone just had to do a bit of everything. Like the content manager would be doing jobs. So I'm like, why is the senior content manager managing this? And I would have scrappy, shittier jobs like that too. I think being really open about all the shitty jobs that everyone is doing really helps because you can very quickly feel devalued if you're just always getting delegated shit tasks so i think that's a really great tip and then showing the appreciation which i think i already said i think is huge like you are helping me by doing this you're not just someone that i disrespect and that's so low-rung that i'm making do this you are contributing something important to the team by doing this and i thank you for it
1: yeah and just know that if someone like ali who founded a 255 million dollar business found it difficult delegating I mean, the likelihood is that you might too, but what you don't want to do is end up in a situation like her, to be honest, or well, maybe you do because I'm sure she's got a bloody. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind the 250000 <laughs> <laughs> But mentally, like I'm sure if you spoke to her, she'd be like, I was exhausted, like I was at my lowest and I felt so lonely and sad. And you don't want to be in that position because you haven't asked for help. I think I need to get a
0: psychologist onto Ready or Not to look at the cost of motherhood and making work work from that angle of taking on too much and how we better set ourselves up to not get ourselves into these situations because it's so pertinent everyone feels bad for delegating professionally and personally and we need to
1: do it how millennials learned to dread motherhood to our generation being a mum looks thankless exhausting and lonely can we change the story this was a piece written by Rachel Cohen for Vox. It was a really long piece, by the way. By the way. Really it long. I was like, It took me a long time to read. Right it. piece, but a bloody like long a little piece. novel. Yeah. Um, so the long and short of it is well, the, the key things that I took away from it were the following. All the stuff that's being said about motherhood. One key point was that a survey found that it's actually women with the most financial resources and the highest levels of education who report the most stress and unhappiness with motherhood. That's
0: really interesting.
1: Yep. And for at least the last decade, women our age have absorbed cultural messaging that motherhood is thankless and depleting, straining careers, your health, your friendships and destroying your sex life. So today, if you have a look at most articles it's genuinely difficult to find mainstream portrayals of mums who are not stressed to the brink depressed isolated or increasingly resentful and those points that you made i mean they're all valid when
0: you when you read them in isolation it's like they're all true it's not the full picture because motherhood is so joyous too but if you read them in isolation and you weren't let it a yet i can't say
1: that that's not the truth so it's really exactly. interesting But in other words if joyful motherhood or equitable parenting is seen as a rare accomplishment these days then like many other small and large achievements women learn to keep it to themselves so it's so fascinating yeah so essentially what it's saying is that compared to years and years ago firstly we've got far more ways to absorb and read news so we don't just get the paper you know, there's social media, there's the internet, you know, there's the all these World cool Wide things. Web. The World Wide Web. <clears throat> and what we're finding is that more and more people are talking about, I wouldn't say the negative sides of motherhood, but the parts that bring the communities together to talk version. about. Yeah. It was and- really interesting in this piece, which
0: I'll I'll touch on soon, is the way that they talk about researchers or just mothers almost giving the sanitized version so they don't scare people when they're pregnant and it's like now we're doing the opposite opposite. so far in a reverse to show people the hard sides but it's so interesting that you said that the minority of people who do have these really equitable relationships based on either just their relationship or just because they have enough money to basically afford equality because yeah we can you know we can all pursue it in our home but if our partner gets paid more at work than us then that already th- throws things off an even kill but it's so interesting like all things in life if you've got it good you don't talk about it because you don't want to make people feel like shit and you feel guilty that you've got it good it's like even when I almost when I, if, if I ever talk about Hayden being a really great
1: partner and a very even partner like I almost feel like I'm bragging yeah it's it's something to note because i would also say like what brings communities and what brings people together is shared experiences and usually those shared experiences are around bagging your husband or like talking about changing a shitty diaper or talking about your kids I love having that a meltdown you just said diaper oh sorry I'm you're so american i love it don't i've apologize. been doing that a lot recently it's because of all these bloody articles i'm reading i'm reading <laughs> research from the u.s every freaking two minutes are like shitty diapers come oh, on that australia was the do more american research, research.
0: <laughs> that's the worst american accent i'm embarrassed by myself <laughs> but we don't often do that like you and i might do it in our private sort of corners but you don't sort of go
1: to a group of 10 mums this is what my beautiful baby did today Yeah, because it's not a conversation starter. Like it's not, like where do you go to from there? Like what do you say? Oh, that's, oh, great. It doesn't, it's not opening anything. But it's also not interesting
0: and banter based as you're saying. Like as I spoke about with Nell Frizzell, there's something really sort of unsexy and boring about being really maternal. So it's almost like we do the opposite because there's more banter and silliness and humour in it, but it does stop us from
1: talking about the nice things. It does or I don't think it necessarily stops us talking about from the nice bits but I think people bond over working out something together. On like, Yes. Like if I said I made pancakes today, you'd be like okay but if I said yes. far out mate, my toddler cracked an egg and that shell went all over my pancakes today. Do you get what I mean? It's such a different narrative and both both are true.
0: I liked you better in the second version too because I it obviously triggered something in me that I haven't made my son pay <laughs> lately, you know what I mean, which is so fucked up. But it goes to show how, I guess, much pressure we put on ourselves around motherhood. So you're right. We, we have more to bond and talk over with the sort of negative or funny things about it rather than the really joyous moments and it's not to say that we don't talk about the joyous moments it's just
1: different. I have to say this you would not believe this in a previous episode we talked about like things that make you feel like you got your shit together you know uh,
0: yes I I've have been thinking about one. that every
1: single week oh, since that by the way I, I always the- think mental note and then I forget of course. <laughs> I had the best one happen to me yesterday so this is so random and it's so if you knew me it is so unlike me. I went to Safeway the other day, Woolworths, what the fuck it's called, you know, Woolies. It's always going to be Safeway to me. I picked up a a pack of pancakes, you know, the pre-made ones. I've never done that. Not once. Never. I don't know why I did it. I think it said like quick sale or something. I was like, oh, I'll give one to Sienna after. (laughs) This is so, this is so Clawson of you. I love that.
0: (laughs) Hayden laughed actually at me picking up a quick sale item and he was like, that's very Michelle Green. That's very Clawson.
1: (laughs) It's great. Save yourself a few dollars. And then the <laughs> next the next day I had a friend around that I haven't seen in ages and with her two children. And her her little one was like a bit sad. And I said, oh, do you want a snack? He said, yeah. And I go, what would you like? And he's like 18 months old and he's he pancake. pancake. Oh. Can you believe your fucking luck,
0: my friend? Well, I have pancakes in the pantry because I'm an adult and I'm a
1: great mother. And I've got it ready to go, and Liz was like, "Oh God, you know," she's like, oh, "He always asks for the most random shit." And I'm like, "You wouldn't believe this, but your old friend over here actually has one." <laughs> I felt honestly like if you could have, if an angel could have kissed my head from heaven, that would have been off. the moment. Oh, that is so adult. If
0: I was the we digress, yeah, but if I was the parent whose kid was asking for pancakes and you brought them out, I'd be like, "Like who the fuck has a, a pancake in the like, fridge?" That's mum in dictionary. Me? Like, yeah, I've got
1: it ready to go. <laughs> I do. So as luck would have it, there you go. It's a nice little win for you. But back to this article, a girlfriend of mine, I she's so smart. I sent it to her and I said, look, it's really long, but like let me know your thoughts. <laughs> she always gives good content. Read it within the next 20 minutes and get back to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, She made a very good point and I want to read it because she's very smart and it's very true. In this article, there was a little section, and this is what it said. Just months before her death at 79, Hersham told me that she sees too many young women who believe their heterosexual marriages can be power free zones that do not require ongoing bargaining. That's completely unrealistic and delusional, Hershman said. Freedom is something women need to enforce every day. My girlfriend said to me, This comes across as really depressing but I would say all relationships are bargaining and compromise. So I understand the point, but it's not exclusively a feminism thing. And I was like, oh, you are smack bang on about that because I think it's kind of framed in the way that like, you should be fighting for freedom with your partner every day. Nah, man, you should be fighting with that in work, in your friendships, everywhere. everywhere. Like, I don't think we're placing too much emphasis on motherhood and like, getting your freedom it's in every aspect of your life like let's not look at it and if
0: you do focus it more holistically it will naturally seep into things more exactly rather than just focusing on motherhood that's a really interesting yeah. point I love the mention in this article of sad mum movies that came out have you seen Flashman is in trouble or Fleishman is in trouble I don't know which one it is low <laughs> come on no you have or you haven't oh it was really good
1: with Claire Danes you know me. I can't remember a movie. I reckon I've watched about 25 movies and I can't remember any of them that I've watched. Oh, it's a, it, was a, it was a series. Oh, on. what See, was that's it what what I'm, Yeah, no idea. Yeah, okay. no. So it sorry.
0: portrays two mums really differently. One is trying to have a really powerful career and feeling like everything at home is on her as well and she just literally disappears off the face of the earth and then the dad all of a sudden It's like a bit of a poor dad picture at the start, but then you start to realise how much she's struggling and that she basically was sent into some sort of mental health disaster. And then the other character is this dad's best friend who becomes really the stay-at-home mum and feels like she's lost herself in motherhood and you sort of see glimpses and flashbacks to the really charismatic, interesting, fun woman she was before motherhood and then she just seems so engulfed and lost in motherhood. So I highly recommend watching this series. It actually, I watched this, I think when I was pregnant. I definitely wasn't a mum yet, and it physically hurt me. So it's I reckon quite an emotional watch for mums because even though hopefully a lot of people's situation is not like this, you can you can picture how awful these two people feel. And it really like grapples with the identities that a lot of mums in the career space, fall into either one end, which is someone who's like trying to start this business and trying to have heaps of success. And the other is this woman that just feels totally lost in motherhood. Yeah. So I'm not going to really say anything more on that other than watch Fleishman is in trouble because it's a really good show. A bit depressing, but I really enjoyed it. I did touch on earlier the notion that generations before us protected us from or sanitized versions of motherhood to us so that when you're pregnant, you're not just Scared for what's to come. And I will read this from this article. So it says, in her book, Mother Brain, journalist Chelsea Connorboy describes experts who long concealed challenging information from pregnant people and new mums to protect them. In some ways, we're in the midst of a backlash to an earlier period that was too saccharine, too paternalistic. I think this is such an interesting point. You see so much commentary around the realities and the difficult parts of motherhood because I think it's a whole generation of mothers being like, why did you lie about the hard bits to me? We want to know. Yeah, like we can probably find more joy. Do you know what's funny is that I do wonder if our generation actually do find more joy than previous because we're actually open about the negative bits and it's perceived in sort of the social sphere as though we're more negative about motherhood. But perhaps we're really just more realistic and because we do talk about it more, we actually are able to find more joy in the day-to-day. I'd love to know if what I'm saying there is right or wrong. But the previous generations, our mums had to sort of suffer in silence. Like you weren't really allowed to talk about the hard bits of motherhood. You just had to get on with it. And I'd love to know what the balance is there, where where we are talking about it too much and where we are making it, I guess too negative and too fear-mongering for those people that don't know if they're going to have kids yet or not. And where we are being too much like, I just got on with it because I hate that narrative too. And I think there's an even balance. So I found that really interesting. She says, it's not like we want to go back to the days when motherhood was sanitized, when the public heard virtually nothing about postpartum depression or motherhood penalties at work. Or when women bore challenges in silence, never having the support that comes from bonding over shared struggle. Still, it is hard to shake the feeling that all these honest and unflinching portrayals are driving people like me away from wanting to have kids at all. Yeah. Is it even possible anymore to find perspectives that are both that are both credible and bright? That's really interesting too, because we know talking about things leads to studies and that leads to change. So if we weren't having these perceived negative conversations about the hard bits of motherhood. We're never going to have better parental leave policies, never going to have more equity in the workplace and all of those things that can make motherhood more enjoyable and even just, I mean, America doesn't even have any paid parental leave at all. Wild. So it is really interesting, this idea of credibility and reality versus finding that bright side of the road too. And that brings me to the third thing that I loved in this article. So she also says, This year I stumbled across a New York Times headline that fits squarely into the grim motherhood genre, how parenting today is different and harder. Using a new national Pew survey, the article reported that two-thirds of parents say parenting is harder than they expected, including one-third of mothers who say it's a lot harder. But she says that when she went into that survey into a bit more depth, It told a story fairly distinct from the one in the Times. This is a really interesting point of the headline reader and this age of social media. Yeah, and clickbait. Because what I just told you, you could quickly go, fuck, parenting sounds really hard. Motherhood sounds awful. So when she actually went into it, she read that 80% of respondents actually described parenting as enjoyable all or most of the time. Low-income parents and those who are black or Hispanic were most likely to rate it highly, but happiness crossed all racial and economic lines. Despite ubiquitous depictions of mums on the verge of collapse, only a third said parenting was stressful all or most of the time. The data was a far cry from a miserable portrait. This actually, without me even making this correlation until right now, perhaps does strengthen my argument that talking about these things might be helpful in a lot of ways because it leads to change. It also gets things off our chest and it makes things realistic rather than sanitized. I think what we're missing on in the age of social media is that we read a headline and we don't get the full story. So you could have easily just read the data at the very top of that piece, the New York Times, they're obviously trying to get clicks. That's how they make money. Going to it deeper, 82% said it was rewarding all almost at of the time, which is exactly how I feel and I reckon you would too. It's like, yeah, there's really shitty hard bits and society really gets in the way of things being enjoyable sometimes. But most of the time, I absolutely
1: love it. Yeah, but also life has really shitty and hard bits. Do you know what I mean? Everything like, does. There are some exactly. days, exactly, when I have my kids and they're amazing, like they're great, they're independently playing and you know just a joy but my day might still be shit and that can be something that's completely not to do with them but am i parenting at the same time yeah do you know what i mean yeah. like
0: and because it's the day that you have both of your kids with you it feels like the day was shit because of them that's a really interesting yeah, point. but it
1: wasn't it was something to do with me so i, I think you're spot on lou do headlines matter? Yeah. And I think they're a starting conversation. I think we should open up those conversations and be realistic about the difficulties that you can face. However, the thing that we should all be mindful of is that no part of everybody's day is going to be A plus. Yeah. And that's no exception to mothers. I'm now seeing so much correlation between
0: the sort of idea of that New York Times headline versus what the research then went on to say and what you were talking about earlier when you said that you could either say to me that you made pancakes for your kids in the morning or that Sienna cracked the whole bloody shell into the mixture and you had to start again. The headline of that, the banter you're bringing to me is the egg cracking shell conversation. And then the deeper side of the research is you then talking a bit later about and then you made pancakes and you all sat down and ate them together it's like we do grab on to as you say the more banter-based interesting things because then we talk about it we laugh about it we bitch about it we don't really grab on to the joy stories as much because they're sort of boring it's like
1: well, okay, there's cool. nothing to talk about if you meet someone that's life is so danny and so rosy and their kids are so beautiful and so excellent don't tell me that a part of you doesn't think to yourself <laughs>
0: boring okay <laughs> it's so true it's like all that sort of I guess more trad wife style content that we see online because it just exactly. makes your eyes roll because it's like where's the where's the grit and glory to your life we don't it's just like, want the come glory. on let's connect and as you say life isn't perfect so that's why talking about the perfection of motherhood or the perfect bits of motherhood is boring because that doesn't represent the whole picture of
1: our lives I love that comparison you've just drawn We'll link the article in the show notes. It's a really interesting read. Uh, albeit it's a significant read. Yeah, put aside. <laughs> you an need hour. to set aside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a speed reader, and it whoa. It oh, took me you some needed to have it an audio option good. for you because how how did you actually no, get sadly. through that? <laughs> no, sadly, actually on that, it's so funny. You know, I don't know if they taught it at school, but when I went to school, I sound like I'm eighty-five again. When I went to school, they did that speed reading, you know, where you like kind of read every second word and, and in your, br- oh, your brain forms that, that sentence association? No, yeah. Okay. I can't remember Maybe it anyway. it's just me. Yeah. Anyway, I read really fast and sometimes I read a meme and I obviously read it really fast or I'm reading an article or something and I'm wanting to start the conversation with Ryan. I'm like, Ryan, look at this. Genuinely, I'm sitting there like... I do with the reaction, mate, like, <laughs> I, in my mind, I'm like, is this how he reads? Yeah, today a study shows that <laughs> during pregnant, like, mate Ryan is on uh, he is,
0: if you're on 2.0, he's on 0.5. I'm actually a oh, really slow Lord. reader, and Hayden's quite a fast reader, which goes against I every other go. personality trait of ours. It's really interesting. It's so frustrating when you have a partner like that because yeah.
1: you're you've already, you've already processed. Yeah, and you're, you're on to the laughed. next meme.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay. I'm man, with I'm sorry. I
1: laughed about that 25 minutes ago.
0: So this week in community, I asked all of our listeners and followers on Instagram about Christmas. Los, the first question was Christmas holidays make me feel dot dot dot. Here were the options. Mostly joy, mostly overwhelmed, bit of both. What do you think was the front runner? Bit of both, bit of both. What what percentage are we giving it? Ah, oh, 50? Oh, you're bloody close. You're getting good at this. 57% said bit of both. 29% said mostly joy and 14% said mostly overwhelmed. Maybe a bit pessimistic, but I thought mostly overwhelmed would actually be higher than that. So I'm really happy to see that most people are either falling into the bit of both camp or mostly joy because it can be a really overwhelming time. Then I asked about the mental load of gifting. So question is, the mental load of gifting is dot, dot, dot. All on me, 100% evenly shared with my partner or shared with partner, but I'm still the instigator. What one?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I always place this from my perspective. I'm going to say the most would be C, even though, I still think deep down it would be A. It's all on me, A, eh? 55%. Oh, was it? Yep.
0: So 55% yeah, okay. said all on me, 41% said shared with partner, but I'm still the instigator, which is where I sit, and 4% was 100% evenly shared with my partner. I will admit I've actually got a little bit more takey on the mental load this year than I have in the last sort of five years. So I reckon it was about five years ago that I was all of a sudden like, Why am I buying your mum her present to Hayden? And he was like, fair point. And I did the same with my brothers. Why do I always organize everything for all the siblings, blah, blah, blah. But this year, I think it's got something to do with being end of pregnancy. I was like, I just want to get shit done. I wanted everything organized really early. And so I got like all of the cousins as in on your side and on my side, I just got all of the niece and nephew's presents from the same shop, ordered online, got it to the house got it wrapped so I actually did take on all of that I then also found the best gift for Margaret which is actually an idea that I got off a Mamma Mia Out Loud episode it's a digital photo frame that you load up and I've seen them and then you send photos to Margaret which for anyone who's new here is my husband's nanny and also Loz who's my husband Hayden's cousin's nanny or nan do you call her nanny or nan because Hayden calls her nanny Nanny. Yeah, you do. Okay. Nanny, but then when you said it yeah, in context, you it sounds like, like my I had nan. a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I got her that. And then when I saw that, I was like, well, I'll buy it because I just thought of it right then and there and heard about it. So I have taken on a little bit more. Where I do get stressed is that I want him to have already organized his parents' Christmas presents and he hasn't. So I do still find that I'm the instigator, but I need to just learn how to drop that because he will do it before the day. And it doesn't matter; they're his parents. Stop taking
1: control. I find gifting really overwhelming. Yeah, I don't find it difficult for my own family because I know them. Obviously, have my whole life with my own family and friends. I'm very good at picking presents for them. But when it comes to picking presents for like Rise colleagues or like Rise KK yeah. at work or Rise family, do you do the gifting for Ryan's colleagues? My, I, I mean, yes, occasionally. Lauren. No. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes home to you and he goes, we need to get this person. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. He calls me the day before and he's like, far out. I ordered this thing and it hasn't arrived. And I'm like. Oh, so you're more like stepping Why and... are you like this? Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah. So
0: you're not, it's not like, was you need to do X, Y, and Z today. It's more uh, like. No, no, I'm no, no, I'm problem solving because you suck. But I think, <laughs> do you know what
1: I think is? No. But you know what I think is really frustrating? I. Like, my love language is gifts. I love gifts. Like, I really do. And I'm not one of those people that's like, I need a handbag or I need a nail polish, I need whatever. I actually don't. I really like a handwritten card. Like, that is so important That's what I say to Hayden every birthday. I don't
0: care what you get me. Just write me a handwritten card. It's the
1: thought about it, right? I don't give a shit if you go to a hotel and get me a soap. It's the thought. Like, I genuinely don't care what the gift is. However... Because I place emphasis on gifts, I find it really difficult when I'm like, oh, right, what about this? And he's like, yeah, 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 sounds good. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Okay. Have you actually thought about is it, it? Does it sound good? Yeah. And he's like, who cares? Don't worry about it. And I'm like, I care. I care. Yeah. You know, that's the it difference. It is hard when you're the one
0: that cares more. I know. That's where it gets really tricky. So we do a KK, you and I, with, our, with all the cousins. Are you happy or annoyed with who you got this year? Oh, I'm happy. I got an easy one. I got an easy person this year. Hayden and I both got a hard person and we've swapped. (laughs) I'm (laughs) really happy now. (laughs) I'm really happy now. No, I love my person now. It's great. I do. I've had you for the last two years. Yeah, we always say Oh, sorry, to. no, Brian has had Yeah, to. yeah, and then we swap, yeah, and then you swap because that's what we do. So Hades and I have had a similar situation where the person I got is easy for him and the person he got is easy for me, so we've swapped. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> uh, yeah, which is yeah. funny because I feel like we're strictly not meant to tell anyone who we got, not even our partners, but we always do. So then the next question was, is there anything you're doing to drop the plastic balls? Here's some answers. Ordered all kids' presents online together on date night. Sexy as fuck. I love that. Online Ooh. is so good Oh, Christmas present order. Nice. Yeah. And then they jumped into bed. <laughs> uh, getting people vouchers and using frequent flyer points as gifts to save money and shopping. That's awesome. That's great idea. I love that. Family KK, less presents, less crap to buy, and you can put more thought in. Limiting the events we host or attend. No cards, no rush to put up Christmas decorations. Making my partner take control of all the communication and planning with his family. I absolutely love that. Thinking about and buying presents early. No presents for adults in our extended families, only kids. My side of the family does that and I'm all for it. I still get mum and dad a present because obviously like they give me and do so much for me. But I... Said to my brothers, like, nah, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to buy you a gift, and I don't want you to buy me a gift. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think that's I, a really great idea. I think idea. we have Just to implement that.
1: Even with the KK, like, I agree. There's gonna be so many kids before we know it. Like, there's
0: already six.
1: Yeah. Once it gets to a stage where everyone has children, you got up. Yeah. I think
0: that's. I think that's when you cross over. So that's what's happened. My side of the family is a little bit older than your side of the family. Uh, I agree. That's when the changeover happens. And then the last question was anything else to add about the beauty, joys, or stresses of Christmas? Someone said split families equals too many functions, which that's really hard. I totally, totally um, understand how overwhelming that would be. When kids are little, they're happy with a toilet roll. Most of the stuff we do is our own stuff. I love that. Take the pressure off. If your kids are really little, they're going to be demanding shit from you for years to come. So take the load off. Learning it's okay not to go things that make you feel uncomfortable. That's really interesting and a hard one. So that's obviously a situation where you would imagine there's some sort of family breakdown of a sort. Yes. Um, So I think that's a really great thing to acknowledge. Thanks for sending that in. And I love this one. (laughs) Christmas at both sets of grandparents is the fucking worst.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Do you have to do both this year or are you one year one off now? One year on, one year off. But one thing I will say, and I apply, I want to apply it to myself, I would love to listen to this when I'm at a stage when my children have their own children, if they decide to. Yeah. I do not want to be that mother-in-law or mother that on my off year enforces Christmas close to Christmas. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think I, I
0: think my mum's really good like this. Like if it's her year off, it's just her year off and she'll see you around Christmas and mum and dad are both good like this, but um, like they don't put pressure on. We're going to see them Christmas Eve because they live five minutes down the road and we'll be in our, like back in our house and it works well, but she never puts pressure on. And I'm so grateful for that because you do feel guilty regardless if you're not seeing your own parents on Christmas day. So I agree with you
1: so much. But like a girlfriend said to me, what her family does on the off year, they the day that they want to set up their tree is the day that they do something with all the families. They get, they say, everyone come around, we're going to set up the tree and it's our time together in Christmas. I love shit yeah, like that. Rather like, than like the tradition. 23rd. It doesn't have to be like you don't have to be super close to Christmas to still feel like you're getting that Christmas hit. Yep. And you've got the whole month, mate. I think like, that's a I, really nice, full on. nice idea because it's hopeful so on that period
0: around Christmas. I
1: hope I can do it myself. Let's just see how loco I go when I'm, you know. Well, tune in. When we're doing this podcast, mother-in-law. in
0: 30 years. <laughs> when I'll when be we're fucking in mid years, we'll see what we're doing. <laughs> we'll update everyone right then. I'm sure this will <laughs> still be going. <laughs> All right, you little tipster.
1: Give me, give me a good tip. I again don't okay. have one. I'm going to have to think of one All on right. the spot. I've got a tip. My tip, which sounds rogue, but it works. And this is about delegating. One thing I found that really helped when asking my partner for things was to use the word immediately. I
0: absolutely love this. Or to rephrase it
1: and say immediate need. So when I would say things like, hey, right, do you mind unpacking the dishwasher? He'd be like, yeah, 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 for sure. I'll do it. No. It needs to be done now, right this second. So instead of saying like, hey, do you mind unpacking the dishwasher? i said to ryan hey Ryan, would you mind unpacking the dishwasher immediately i love the way you just it's like a text message the way you're speaking
0: like you're speaking like a robot <laughs> hey Ryan, would or, you unstack the dishwasher immediately <laughs> it also reminds me of mean girls when that when the teacher's like
1: everyone report to the gym immediately <laughs> but do you know why i say this Because it is already hard asking for help, but when you're asking for help, you need it and you don't want someone unpacking that dishwasher four hours later, you want it now. So I don't think there's anything wrong with prefacing that by saying, Hey, could you unpack the dishwasher? Immediate need. Especially it's an immediate need. that you
0: say immediate need on the end, especially
1: because it should have be help anyway, right? Like, I mean, he lives in the house, he eats from dishes in that house. So I agree. Do it now. That is my tip. My tip is if you have something that you want done now. Just shove the word immediate in there. And you know what, Ryan? And I laugh about it. Like, I'll look at him and I'm like, Im- immediately. immediately. Yeah. It's an immediate oh, need. I like love you so
0: much. I wish, can you film that? I want to see <laughs> this in real time. I have a he tip. He laughs, but I'm like, I need it. I actually have a tip. I've just thought of one. So, I do the drop off, and Hades does the pickup for daycare. And this morning, I, I made him do the forms for re enrollment for the next year. Um, They still, of course, sent it to me because, of course, I've got oh, a waste down. of time, too. Yeah, but well, I changed. made him do it. Um, I need to get his email signed up to it, actually. That was your tip ages ago. Um, And at the time we sat down and went through it together and we did put in that Ray would not be there for like the two weeks over Christmas. I changed that today. And I just wanna say, don't feel guilty for sending your child to daycare sometimes during the Christmas break if you're not doing anything and your daycare center is open. I could potentially have a newborn or I'm going to be extremely pregnant at that stage. And you probably won't go for full days. If Hayes and I are both not working, you'll probably honestly do about 10 till 2.
1: You don't even need to justify it. Exactly. It doesn't matter. But like, but, but we probably. You're paying I mean, for the full day. If you'd like him to go the full day.
0: Yeah, but we'll probably not want to because I do really like hanging out with my son. Of However, course you do. We're going to both be, having just finished a Renault, um tired. I'll be pregnant You're and Grouchy as fuck. Nesting, all of that stuff. And I was like, sorry, I'm going to take that out. Also, we sent him on day, to daycare on a Monday, which happened to be two public holidays anyway, so he won't be able to go to those. And I was just like, no, why did I put down that he was going to be with us for two whole weeks when we might be with a newborn? You might need it. Or navigating the very end of pregnancy. As I said, I genuinely cannot imagine sending him a full day if we're both sitting at home, but having the option and being able to send him for a half day I think will be really nice. In the height of summer, height of pregnancy, just moving in or moving back into our house. So my tip is to not feel guilty of using a bit of daycare, even when you're having a break.
1: Great tip. That wraps up Witching Hour for this week. As always, if you liked today's episode, please leave us a positive review or just a review and follow us on Pod. We will see you next year. Next year, we will. Thanks for listening this year. Have a
0: great break. Um, we will be not releasing an episode for two weeks after this because, as I said, I because might have Christmas, a newborn. Because it's Christmas, mate. Because it's Christmas, <laughs> I might have a newborn. A lot going on. Loz has two kids too. And we deserve to fucking do less. So that's what we're going to do. Cheers <laughs> and I'll see you when I can hopefully have a champagne. See you in 2024.